Welcome into another edition of Region Roundup, and let me just say, I'm James Boyd, here with Mike Clark, and we're doing take two of this podcast because as a true journalist and in true journalistic fashion, I received a phone call that I had to take during our first take, and um, I'm sorry, Mike, I kept you a little longer than, than I would have liked it to, but I'm glad you're still with me and haven't ditched me just yet. Right, and I'm going to try to remember all of the brilliant points I made the first time uh, that wound up on the uh, you know on the outtakes. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do a, a director's cut of it or something. But uh, yeah, we'll talk, we just talk about winter, which is really aggravating me. And uh, you know, February coming in with all the snow and cold. Not a fan of that at all. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, somehow we in the region are pretty tough and managed to get all of the girls' sectional championships in. Uh, there's postseason in wrestling and swimming and boys' basketball regular season. And, you know, you were telling me actually also before we uh, got on that, uh, you know, you made it uh, with two minutes to spare to Chesterton the other night, which is always an adrenaline rush for a, a sports writer because most sports writers have been in this situation before where they're, you know, for whatever reason, we're, you know, we're rushing to get to a game and, uh, you know, there's, there's, you're, you're checking your, the clock in your car. It's like, am I going to make it? You know, and then you drive up and walk in the gym and boom, there's the tip. Well, or actually, you know, I guess not now, no, no jump balls anymore, but still, uh, anyway. Uh, well, no yeah, jump balls so that, in Illinois. They, you know, that's they, true, yeah. Actually, we're actually going to be talking about that. Yeah, Illinois does is back with sports with some different rules. We'll talk about that. That's right. Uh, anyway, getting started with some football news. And uh, Laporte has a new football coach. His name is David Ortiz, not Big Pappy. Uh, <laughs> but a former star at Portage, uh, who was on their state team playing for Craig Bazia, who also has a new football coaching job in the region, incidentally, at Crown Point, as we talked about last week's pod, I think. And uh, so, yeah, so kind of a cool story there. A uh, guy who's paid his dues, and uh, now he is going to be a head coach. Yeah, he's uh, he's been uh, an assistant coach in the Dunlin for, or the Dunlin for, um, quite some time, you know, he was after he graduated from Portage after playing for Coach uh, Buzia, he returned and, and joined the staff at Portage, followed him to Michigan City. Um, Ortiz is also an assistant under Phil Mason, who's still at Michigan City now. So, um, you know, he's going to face two of his former uh, guys, you know, when he when he gets on the gridiron this fall. And the main one would be Coach uh, Buzia. He, he was saying that, uh, he was basically like a father figure to him during some tough times during his adolescence. He didn't like going into detail, but he was basically saying like, hey, things weren't always great, you know, uh, at home for me. And he kind of stepped up and gave me, you know, uh, an example of what a real man is and, and how to go about your business, how to be a good person, how to work hard for things. And he wants to instill those things and those characteristics into his players. Um, he's been at Portage for the last three years. It'll be his fourth year, first time as a head coach. Um, he's been on the defensive side of the ball the last few years. And um, from what I've read just on social media um, from the parents and players that I have, um, they're excited about the hire. Um, he's excited about the hire. Um, the AD, Ed Galilan, told me that they originally 
did not open up the application for the job to the public. They decided to give the inside guy guys, um, you know, an opportunity first. And after uh, David gave his interview, uh, he blew them away. So um, it was a pretty uh, easy choice for them. And it's kind of like a, uh, a a sense of stability for the program. He's a familiar guy. He's a Dunlin guy. He's a region guy. And also, um, you know, he's not going anywhere. He teaches at the middle school uh, with his wife. And he told me himself, like, hey, this is where I want to be. I have no plans of picking up and leaving anytime soon. So, you know, if all goes as planned, he'll be the coach for the foreseeable future. Uh, for Laporte Crow program, who now has his third head coach, and I believe the last four or five seasons, so um, this is a, a, I think, a, g- a good hire. And, you know, he's got some credibility um, as far as being a, like I said, a great player. He was a Mister Indiana um, uh, football candidate back in 1994, and he's also, uh, you know, like I said, paid his dues. He's been a, you know, been an assistant for a, a, a you know, like I said, two other great coaches, and you know, now it's time to see what he can do, you know, in his own right. So. It's fun. I had a great time talking to him. He seemed like he's going to be a, a really easy interview. The guy was uh, pretty talkative. I don't think I had to ask a question for the first you know, minute of our interview. I kind of just said, hey, what's up, coach? And then he was like, hey, you know, uh, life's great. So <laughs> it, was, uh, it was cool talking to him. I'm excited about it. And um, that rounds out the DAC coaching openings. Like you mentioned, Buzia is now at Crown Point, taking over for Kevin Amright, um, Lake Central. Uh, has Rick Good, who came over from Calumet. He replaces Tony Bartomeo. And then um, the only coaching opening we have left in the region is Calumet. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, in true, you know, my life as a journalist uh, fashion, I was off Monday and then the, the news broke that he was hired. And I was like, oh, this is probably, uh, you know, uh, thing number one on my Tuesday agenda. So got the story done. Um and um, had to give myself some grace because I almost jumped on it when I saw it. I was like, you know, we got to have an off day, James. So um, I enjoyed my off day. And now we're back on the grind. And he's excited to be back on the grind and, and hopefully moving that program in the continued right direction. They had a pretty decent year last year and um, actually went toe to toe with Valpo in the, in the sectional final. So um, anybody who's you know familiar with the region knows that Valpo is kind of like the top dog. So it's not like Laporte laid down for them. And I think they have some pieces there that. Um, Ortiz is, is excited to build on and we'll see what happens and going forward and hopefully in the fall the world will look a lot different as far as COVID-19 and things like that so hopefully we'll have a full you know nine game regular season schedule and then we'll see what happens after that right and we have some more football news uh, as well last week was the second football signing period beginning um, and actually it used to be the only one uh, everybody used to Signed their letters of intent uh, in February, but uh, a few years ago, uh, the NCAA introduced a, an early signing period in December. And partly because of the pandemic, uh, everything got pretty much flipped this year. There are many, many more athletes who signed in December, and there's a few reasons. Um, I think probably the biggest one is that. Uh, there's been so much upheaval in the NCAA this year. Um, this year, the school year is a free year for every NCAA athlete. It does not count against their clock for eligibility. So um, there's going to be a lot of kids staying around. Actually, I guess they're not kids. They're 22, 23 years old staying around for an extra year. But uh, college coaches did not have a lot of certainty that they would have in normal years. Um, well, first of all, obviously the, the season got pushed back 
And then, uh, then as soon as the season was over, a lot of players had decisions about, you know, were they going to come back for an extra year? Were they going to use that extra year or not? Um, and a lot of them just uh, had had to take some time, you know. Some of them decided to come back. Some of them said, okay, even though I've got an extra year, it's time for me to move on to the next phase of my life. A lot of them wound up in the transfer portal. I saw a crazy stat that I think at one point there were like four players for every FBS school um, in the transfer portal, and some of them may wind up not playing again. Some of them may wind up staying. Some of them may wind up uh, going to an FCS school. Um but there's just so much roster uh, churn and, and, and uncertainty that it's been hard. It was a lot of kids thought, okay, well, if I have a, an offer, high school kids thought, if I have an offer in December, I'm going to take it. You know, I'm not going to, you know, wait longer to see if I get something better or take my time in deciding. You know, so they snapped up those offers, and as a result, a lot of the the action for the second signing day was uh, things like. PWO's preferred walk-ons, and that is uh, who we're going to be talking about today. His name is Brendan Carr from South Central. He's a six-foot-eight, two-sport athlete, basketball and football, who is going to Northern Illinois um, as a preferred walk-on, and uh, kind of an intriguing story, as uh, you've told us before. Yeah, so obviously this story and all the others that we talk about are on our website. You can go check it out, but. The Cliff Notes version is that, like you said, he's six foot eight, and Mike he actually was played at tight end primarily this this senior year. So just imagine a six eight kid in, in the uh, in the GSSC, um, you know, uh, running down the middle of the field in Class A football. So um, don't think many people could stop him at that level um, with that size. But he was telling me that um, he thinks that his uh, basically his agility. His uh, ability to move in space at that size is what kind of intrigued NIU. He also did some legwork himself alongside his dad during quarantine, sending out uh, basically following and messaging a bunch of um, coaches on Twitter to see what would shake loose. Um, got some Division Three interest and Division Two interest. Um, got interest from Valparaiso as well. Um, but at the end of the day, he was saying, you know, I, I feel like I have a shot to earn a scholarship eventually at NIU. Um, so he's willing to bet on himself basically and and give it his best shot. So um, I'm excited for him. He uh, He's going to be – he's projected to be an offensive tackle at NIU. He's had some offensive line experience throughout high school. But, again, um, I think this for both sides is kind of like a, um, you know, what can he do for us? What does his upside look like for us? And, obviously, at six foot eight, you can't teach that. So, um, you know, they can teach a lot of other things like technique and things like that. Um, and if he's able to – catch on pretty quick with that size i'd say he has a promising future um in the mac so um we'll see what happens but it was pretty cool he's one of 77 players or not players students in his uh graduating class to give you an idea of how small his school is so um you know to put that in perspective you know most dac schools have like 80 kids on their team he has 80, <laughs> you know he has 80 in his grade you know boys and girls right. so right. um that was uh pretty cool and uh, you know, he's a pretty good basketball player, too. You know, he's averaging a double-double. Um, like I said, he's six foot eight. You know, you, you would think if you have a clue about basketball, you'd be pretty good at it. And um, he is. And we'll see what uh, what happens. I, I think that he was – he said he told me he was willing to go. Basketball, football, football kind of uh, presented more opportunities for him. So he took it. And now we'll see uh, what happens at the next level for him. But just one more 
uh, unique story that I wanted to write about just because I know we write about a lot about the big time athletes like Jojo Johnson and others and rightfully so. But um, this was a situation where, you know, I think as a region person and as some of those uh, small school, uh, uh, you know, supporters, this is a kid you're probably rooting for just because, like I said, he's coming from a very small school, small program. and He's going to try to play, you know, big time, you know, Division One football. So we'll see what happens. Right. And now it's time for some basketball and there's a lot of basketball to talk about. Um, the girls are in the uh, regional round coming up this week and we'll get to them in a bit. But uh, first of all, uh, Jalen Washington, uh, who's doing the slow but steady recovery from his injuries that we've talked about. And uh, we've talked about how Chris Bugs is, you know, basically said, you know, there's no reason for Jalen to play you know, 28 minutes <laughs> in <laughs> November or December. Um, they want Jalen to be at his peak uh, in March, and uh, it looks like he's getting closer to that, you know, which is no surprise. Obviously, he's healthy and, you know, getting uh, getting really back into the, the flow of the game. And uh, they, the Cougars had a big game uh, over the weekend against Cathedral. Big win for them and a big game for Jalen, I guess, too. Yeah, so I'll have more on this in my boys' basketball notes, which will be out later this week. Um, and from what I understand, Jalen, I believe, scored 19 points in an overtime win against Cathedral. Um, they beat him 72-63. And Cathedral was number, ranked number uh, three in the state at the time for Class 4A, so that's a huge one for the program. Um, Kamari Peterson, their point guard, also had a big game. He had 23 points. Um, Parion Roberson, um, their uh kind of utility guy hit some really big threes so some highlights on twitter and like i said i'm kind of going off what i've seen on twitter i'll be talking to the coach and, and some of the players shortly but um i just wanted to really just remind everyone that jalen is coming along he's uh getting to that point now where he's you know just having those usual uh 15 16 17 18 point games um like i said he had 19 against cathedral and it's not necessarily that he's um I know people might look like, well, why is he averaging more? It's like he doesn't take very many shots. And like I mentioned uh, just previously uh, before, they have a very talented team. So he doesn't have to take every shot. You know, they have other Division One caliber players on their team. Um, I, a guy I didn't even mention, uh, Krishan Christmas, another athletic Division One caliber guy. Um, so he's making the most of his opportunities. And I think that it's worth mentioning that Gary West is now, um, and Gary West side is now 14-3 and three on the year. Um, their three losses are to Hammond, which is arguably the, which was number one in 3A. Um, he lost to Lawrence North, which was number one in 4A when they lost to them. And he lost to Valpo, um, which was a, a 52-57 loss. So it's not like they're losing to like these terrible teams. They haven't had this horrible season. But if you talk to some people, you'll think like Westside's having a bad year just because, you know, Washington hasn't had like a 30-point game or something like that. But um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't get that just because they have a lot of talented players, even some of their role players. And like I said, he's very efficient and he makes most of his shots. And his three-point shot, his jump shot in general is looking great. And I'm reminded when I watch the videos and when I see him in person, I'm like, oh, this is why he's a five-star. So um, just keep an eye out for Gary Westside. I'll be uh, probably catching a game of there soon. They got Munster coming up. They got Andrean coming up. They got Chesterton coming up the next two or three weeks. So I'm looking forward to seeing them back on the court again against some other uh, top-tier competition around the region. And then on that note, 
we can transition to uh, girls basketball. And like I told Mike, I made it to the Chesterton final. Two minutes to spare. Didn't even have time to use the bathroom. I've sitting in the car for two hours and uh, just walked in, sat down, and went straight to like covering the game. Uh, and it was it was a good one. It was expected. Crown Point ran past the host Trojans for their third straight sectional championship. Um, Jessica Carruthers, in my opinion, is probably one of the better decision makers in the region, girls or boys, and probably the state for that matter. She's a she's a true point guard, Mike. Um, I know she puts up puts up some pretty big numbers offensively, um, but if you look at some of her big offensive games, one she's always pretty efficient, and two. Um, it kind of just comes off of what the team needs. Like she's a very good, just reader of defenses, and um, she dominated the, the Trojans. She had 22 in the first half. Um, Could have went for 40 if she if she wasn't taken out. And but again, she doesn't even have that mindset. She kind of just does what you know needs to be done. And I talked to her after the game, and she was telling me like, yeah, you know, it feels good to win. And it was kind of just like a ho hum, you know, not a night at the office, Mike. So that was a uh, pretty surprising. And then also, I want to see your reaction to. Uh, I did a story. I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but I'm sure you saw the box score. But, you know, we had uh, six other teams advance um, to the regional round. We got Griffith in Class 3A. We got Kankakee Valley in Class 3A. We got Andran in Class 2A. And then we got the three 4A schools, Crown Point, LaPorte, Merrillville. Of those teams, Kankakee Valley had the most ridiculous way to get to the regional round. And, um, yeah, so they had a 34-31 win over Knox. But they were down, I believe, 27 to like 13 or something going into the fourth quarter. So what is your reaction to them, you know, I guess being dead in the water, Mike, and then just uh, flipping the switch to win their third section in the last four years? Um, well, you don't see a lot of teams that score 13 points in three quarters and then come back and win a game. Um, <laughs> that's pretty unusual. I mean, obviously uh, – no, it's this is just a strange year um, in so many ways, and uh, you know, I, it's like the kids. You know, I've gone through so much. I guess maybe that had maybe a little bit of a role, and you know, I mean, you think about every kid in every program, not just KV girls, you know, but literally everybody. You know, has had to kind of adjust to so many different protocols this year. And I mean, and not that you don't have adversity in any regular year. Obviously, you have injuries, you know, and you have kids get the flu and, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, just maybe this year that gave them a little bit of extra, you know, push. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, you never really know. You know, And it's, I guess, the crazy thing about that, too, is and I, and I'm just, you know, just looking at your story right now is that they Knox uh, beat them by twenty three. Yes, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a much in a much higher scoring game earlier on, but um, you know, obviously, Key Valley had a pretty good defensive game plan this game, and it took them a while to get their offense going, but they did, and uh, you know, they're moving on. Yeah, they're also a really young team. One thing I like to point out: they, I think, you know. Three of their four top contributors in that game were were sophomores. That um, you know, junior Taylor uh, Schoonfeld, uh, uh, she basically led the way with eight points, ten rebounds. But they only have one senior graduating, so they're you know be on the lookout for them next year as well. But um, just wanted to plug that just because when I saw 
Um, I was getting some uh, Twitter updates and I, and I saw what happened. I was like, there's no way. Like, because I mean, it's one thing to come back and make it a game. There's nothing to just completely flip the switch. I mean, you go from a Knox team that's, you know, leading the team, leading the game, dominating the game, and then you just flip that switch and, and got one out. And then one of the coolest things about it is they were able to do it on their home floor. Um, for the, I believe for one of the first or one of the very first times all year where they actually had some fans there. So um, the energy in the gym was more like a sectional championship game and, you know, the excitement was there. So that, that just made it even more memorable for the players and the coach. So um, we'll see what happens this upcoming Saturday. I'll be heading to the Laporte Regional where we have three teams represented, uh, Crown Point, Merrillville, and Laporte. And we have Penn uh, there as well. We got Maryville and Penn in one semifinal and then Laporte and Crown Point in another semifinal and then I'll be uh out there all day basically. So uh, I'm looking forward to this 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 weekend just because Friday I have Valpo and Crown Point boys and then I have those three games for regionals on Saturday. So I'll do four games in twenty four hours and um it's gonna be fun. <laughs> well uh as you say in your uh Friday night hype videos. Uh, you're living the dream. Yes, and, I am. Uh, although, although I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask you a little bit. You know, you've been slacking off on those a little bit. I know, too, I so. know. I've gotten some other complaints, Mike, and I don't know. I feel like football. Just uh, I don't know. Football kind of felt like it was like a weekly thing, just because I only had one football game a week. But uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do this upcoming weekend to. to to, I guess, check in with my, my Twitter feed and my uh, folks that enjoy the hype videos. But, um, yeah, I've been well, slacking. We d- I'm sorry. We, we do. You know, it's, it's kind of like the capper on a Friday night. You know, everybody goes out to a game, you know, and comes back. And, you know, everybody kind of, you know, clicks on a website, you know, and reads through our coverage and everything. And then one of the things we can count on uh, is, like, there's James sitting in his car, you know, freezing. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, getting ready to make the long trek back home, but uh, you know, it's uh, it, 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 it again. It feels like part of our Friday night routine. So, uh, all right, well, Mike, you'll those. have my word. I don't know if it'll be Friday night. I'll do it probably Saturday night to give okay. you all a full weekend recap of my my, my craziness. But um, yeah, I mean that's the life <laughs> we live sometimes. I know as I'm joking about how busy I'm going to be, I know that things are going to be picking up for you as well with some of those Illinois sports changes. So. Um, I guess what's the latest on the uh, the sports across the state line? Well, um, actually, the newest news—not uh, directly impacting impacting our area—but uh, public league uh, lower risk uh, winter sports are back as of tomorrow, Thursday. Now we're recording this on Wednesday, but uh, the biggest news is that uh, Illinois basketball is underway i think we i can't remember right actually we did not talk about it last week i don't think but uh, the, the weeks kind of run together and excuse me uh, for those of you who may remember these pods better than, than i do but uh uh yeah basketball is back in illinois it's going to be a sprint to the finish and there's going to be some pauses like there have been in indiana i mean you know it's, it's interesting because illinois is kind of experiencing the same thing that indiana has been doing for the last you know i don't know what six months or so since mm-hmm. uh, since fall sports started you know and it's just a reality of the year that we live in is that there will be teams that will be shutting down and starting up again 
Um, but uh, basketball is back. Uh, I think two weekends ago, there were just like one or two games. Last week, there were a few games. Um, this week, we're getting kind of back into the normal groove of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, TF North, TF South, Marion Catholic are all underway. Uh, those are the three high schools that we consider part of our coverage area on the Illinois side of the line. Uh, I have not had a chance to get out there yet. The rules, as we had uh, talked about a little bit, the rules are a little bit different. Um, Illinois players must wear masks, and actually everybody in the gym must wear a mask. Um, uh, most schools are not, well, I, I should take that back. Uh, a lot of schools are not allowing fans. A few are. Uh, a limited amount, uh, 25% capacity, I think, is what most schools that are allowing fans are going with, or a flat number. Uh, the public league is going with 50 people, I think. Actually, 50 people entirely in the gym. Um, and, uh, sorry, uh, I'm just I'm trying to multitask here. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I don't worry, this, Mike. I got I, your I, I back. Need to, I, I need to send a quick. Uh, uh, See, this a this quick is the life you live. This is the life uh, it, it really live. is. Uh, but one thing I will mention while you're we're busy busy mentioning that that we were um, you know the Illinois reporters were able to get a um, you know an update on the uh, fifty people limit and which excludes the media. So um, right. that that's actually a, I think a good thing that media doesn't count against that number um and obviously you know if you have one or two more reporters there or photographer that won't affect you know the the uh safety of the game in my opinion or you know uh how the game is ran honestly it'll it'll just be able to bring more uh you know people into that game through the eyes of the reporter and and, and the photographer and things like that so um i was happy about that and again, especially since a lot of schools aren't allowing fans, and even the schools that are allowing fans um, are not um, allowing visiting fans. That's the other wrinkle here is that uh, um, actually the South Suburban Conference, which is the conference that TF North and TF South are in, excuse me, um, neither, they're not allowing visiting fans. So, um, and a lot of schools have set up live streams. Um, as you said, you know, they're kind of, give fans the experience along with uh, the media that will be covering them. So it's, it's a different world. Again, they also have mat- because kids have to wear masks, they have a mask break. It's kind of like a TV timeout in a college game. Uh, halfway through every quarter, actually, they're doing uh, mask breaks where it's like a minute break where kids can take off their mask, get a drink of water or whatever. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this actually happens. Like I said, I haven't been to a game yet, but looking forward to uh, – to seeing how it looks in action, and it's it is a little bit different from Indiana. Obviously, Indiana players don't wear masks, um, and the crowds are a little bit bigger too. But we'll see. And it's it, but it's basketball, and again, it's going to be a short season because they're also playing football starting uh, with practice on March third, and the uh, regular season starts on March nineteenth six-week regular season as of now no playoffs so we'll see how that goes but uh moving on to our next item uh the Railcats. uh you remember them yes Their local professional baseball team plays at the steel yard um they set out last year because of covid the 
American Association, which they're a member of. Uh, six of the teams wound up playing. Actually, it was only going to be less than that, but then a couple more teams uh, opted in after uh, the numbers got better during the summer, as we all recall. Um, so all 12 teams in the American Association are playing this year. Opening day is May 18th, so a little bit more than, what, three months away. Yep. And uh, the Railcats are very excited to get back at it. Um, and we're not sure at this point. Uh, they're still kind of sorting out what their attendance policies are going to be. Um, we don't know. Um, you know, uh, it's going to be dependent both on uh, the Illinois, area, I'm sorry, the Indiana State Department of Health guidelines and also uh, any local guidelines from the city of Gary. Uh, they're kind of working it out. They expect to have some fans. Uh, how many? We don't know yet again, but uh, looking at a lot of uh, similar promotions that we've seen on the fireworks displays is the main one, obviously. And the other thing is that that's kind of exciting is that uh, even though there was, there was no Railcats baseball last year, there were a lot of events at the park. Uh, there were some youth games uh, played. Uh, they had a uh, set up a golf driving range, a uh, golf event uh, one weekend, too. Uh, some of that stuff is going to be back. Uh, there's a possibility that there might be some other events, like uh, possibly concerts there. Uh, a lot of those details are still TBA, again, because of seeing how many people can be safely welcomed into the park. Um, and that's, as we all know, is a very fluid situation, but numbers seem to be getting better. Obviously, vaccines are available. And, uh, yeah, so that's an exciting thing. I mean, the Northwest Indiana Oilmen, who were the uh, summer college team, did play last year, um, you know, with under you know some just COVID protocols. Uh, so they'll be back as well. But it's going to be a more normal summer in the region uh, to have a couple of, uh, you know, higher profile uh, baseball teams, the Railcats and the Oilmen back. And, you know, all of us are looking forward to summer number one after the weather's <laughs> been lately. And uh, also just, you know, the opportunity to obviously to get out and do stuff. Um, you know, all yeah. of us are a little, uh, got cabin fever, to a certain degree, you know, just not being able to do as much, you know, as you and I have talked about a lot, uh, you not being able to see your grandma on the same basis that you've seen her, you know, your entire life is a little bit different. Obviously, your grandma's in the higher risk category, but, you know, she's going to be getting the vaccine and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, before too long, you know, you can go sit in your backyard, sit in your grandma's backyard, you know, and hang out with her like you always have and give her that big hug that you've been saving for, what, 11 months now. Yeah, so. there you go. And what's funny is I, I, I've kind of, it's kind of shifted to, like I mentioned in one of my previous columns, like I, I, I watch, you know, house shows with my mom now all the time and bond with her. And then my grandma, I, I usually call her because she, she usually stays up pretty late. So I usually call her on the way home. From uh, whatever assignments I'm on, so if I'm out three or four times a week, I'm usually calling her every time I'm on the way home, um, and, and we we talk, and she'll talk me uh, all the way home, and it's it's easy. It's just about all types of stuff, uh, growing up together, and and the things that, that she taught me, and laughing about things that we uh, did back in you know when I was a kid, and even now, uh, just thoughts about the world and what's going on, and things like that. So it's all welcome. But like you said, I'm excited for. 
um, some normalcy. I think the Railcats coming back is a good thing. Um, and honestly, you know, from a journalistic point, you know, when you were my editor or I guess my main editor, because you still edit my stuff. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, um, you know, you would always tell me like, hey, these are some of the best stories you're going to find during the summer. Um, these, all these guys, you're always, they're, they're always coming in, coming out and they have these unique journeys to get to the Railcats, whether it's literally from overseas or like the hometown hero or whatever the case may be. So um, from that standpoint, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting out to a few games myself um, and just, you know, writing about those guys who otherwise, you know, will fly under the radar. It's always a unique situation. Um, Greg Taggart can talk with the best of them. So um, it should be fun to, to check back in with him and the team. And just to, you know, I'm not a baseball fan. I will not lie to you all. But when I'm out there reporting and, and the kids are out there, the th- families are out there, when things are normal, um, it is a good time. Um, the weather's warm and uh, music's loud. Just just things that, uh, you know, remind you that, hey, you know, this is summer. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a good time, in my opinion. So uh, hopefully, you know, when things do open up, I'm sure it's going to be different to start, but I'm really hoping that it won't have to be too different for too long. So we'll see what happens. But until next time, you all um, stay safe. Uh, keep an eye on me and Mike's Illini, uh, which is improper English, but still, you get the point. I-O, I-O, <laughs> triple double. <laughs> yes, and Mike, I'm sorry I didn't text you back when you texted me about that. I was driving through the snow to Chesterton. However, I did watch that game, and I saw what my Illini were doing. They're up to number six in the polls. Um, And, yeah, just stay tuned, stay safe, wear a mask, and we'll check in with you all next time.